today we're going to be exploring Rosicrucians of the Past, Present, and Future. Yesterday with the memorial ceremony, which is always conducted on the fall equinox, Rosicrucians around the world pause to give thanks to all the mystics of the past who have preserved and perpetuated the teachings that we have the privilege of studying today. And we're going to continue, continue that celebration of these mystics who came in the past. As some of you know, we published the Rosicrucian Digest, focused uh, 17 issues of the Rosicrucian Digest, focused on what's called the Rosicrucian Timeline. And these are the traditions that have contributed most to what we have inherited as Rosicrucians today. And I'm going to share with you that timeline. We're going to go over that information. All right, so again, we published 17 issues of the Rosicrucian Digest, starting with Atlantis and leading up to the Rosicrucian Order Amwark. And these are available online. All of the articles are recorded as podcasts and you have the magazines there, as well as all of the images. And we're briefly going to go through these different traditions. And they're all related to the mystery schools. The mystery schools were centers of study and mystic initiation in the ancient Western world, where the mysteries of the universe, of nature, and of humanity were explored. These spiritual centers educated students in natural laws and principles so they could better live in harmony with them. The schools also encouraged introspection in order to know oneself better and engendered within a feeling of connection with the great mystery of the universe. So we will explore these now, beginning with Atlantis. I really like this image. Frater Danny Pyle drew this, and it's based on the description of Atlantis written by Plato in um, Critias and Timaeus. So, the Rosicrucian order Amor traces its tradition back to a primordial tradition. This concept first appeared in the Renaissance especially after the rediscovery of the Corpus Hermeticum, a group of mysterious texts attributed to an Egyptian priest, Hermes Trismegistus. And now here is our timeline tracing the Rosicrucian tradition from some of its most ancient sources to today. Plato described Atlantis in detail in his books, Critias and Timaeus. He stated that his knowledge on this subject was reported to him by Solon, who, according to his own words, obtained it from Egyptian priests. Some people believe that Atlantis actually existed and is the cradle of the primordial tradition, which flows through the Rosicrucian tradition. This highly sophisticated and spiritual civilization flourished for millennia until it declined into corruption, warmongering, and superstition, 
and finally ended in a cataclysm in 95-64 BCE. Other people believe that Atlantis merely symbolizes the unknown source of the primordial tradition, representing a previous golden age. Next in the Rosicrucian timeline is ancient Egypt. Legend tells us that the first king of Egypt was chosen from among the Atlanteans. Later, Tutmosis III, in addition to serving as pharaoh, directed the mystery school at Karnak and organized the mystery schools together as a single order. And this photograph shows the statue of Tutmosis III at Rosicrucian Park. His great-great-grandson, Akhenaten, was responsible for introducing monotheism to ancient Egypt and inspiring an artistic revolution. After Alexander the Great's conquest in 332 BCE, Egyptian culture and spirituality blended with Greek Hellenism and was highly influential throughout the Mediterranean. Through many historical paths, this ancient tradition finds a modern manifestation in the Rosicrucians. Next are the Essenes, who flourished from the second century BCE to 100 of our era. The Essenes were mystics who came together in spiritual communities throughout Egypt and Israel. One of these centers was most probably Qumran, where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. Jesus is believed by many to have been a member of the Essene community. Many of their practices paralleled those of the Pythagoreans. Among the different groups of Essenes were the Therapeutae near Alexandria who specialized in healing as described in Philo's, as, as described by Philo. Health of body, soul, and spirit always figures prominently in the Rosicrucian tradition and its antecedents. Next are the Orphic mysteries that flourished from about the sixth century BCE to the year 391 of our era. The Orphic mysteries were associated with the life of the greatest of all musicians, Orpheus. Some mystical texts describe him as being an initiate who actually existed. According to these texts, he spent 20 years in Egypt and was a member of the mystery school associated with Memphis. However, by the 6th century BCE, Orpheus was definitely a mythical figure. It was said that Orpheus's music could move even inanimate objects, and his sacred songs told the greatest secrets of the universe. Orphism stressed a strict standard of ethical and moral conduct. Initiates purified themselves and adopted ascetic practices for the purpose of purging evil and cultivating the Dionysian aspect of human behavior. 
which is the divine aspect. The Orphics abstained from eating meat and were known to wear white, symbolic of, pur of purity. It is difficult to separate the Orphic and Pythagorean traditions. The Delphic mysteries were important from the year 1700 BCE to 391 of the Common Era. Delphi served as the spiritual center of Greece for over 2,000 years. The Pythias, the priestesses, played a fundamental role in the oracles of Delphi. They were said to have the power to commune with the invisible world and to speak on behalf of the god Apollo. The Temple of Delphi exerted a tremendous influence in antiquity, not only because of the oracles, but also because it housed a prestigious mystery school. Above the portal of the Temple of Apollo in Delphi was inscribed the injunction, Know Thyself. This is ever the purpose of each Rosicrucian. The Pythagorean school was established in the mid sixth century and continued, sixth century BCE, and continued until 492 BCE. Pythagoras taught about relationships, especially between seemingly disconnected elements of the universe, such as mathematics and the physical world, and music and mathematics. Pythagoreans studied the laws of the universe in order to bring their minds into harmony with cosmic reality, thereby becoming one with the universe. This was their sacred goal in life. Following five years of silence, if found worthy, Pythagorean postulants, who were both men and women, were considered for instruction into the mysteries. These were presented in three degrees. The first degree was dedicated to the science of numbers, the second to moral and political laws, and the third to esoteric doctrines. The Pythagorean mystical understanding of the universe has far outlived the actual school, including many Greek philosophers following Pythagoras, and has influenced much of Western thought in one form or another. Rosicrucian philosophy embodies many of these concepts. And this photo shows the statue of Pythagoras at Rosicrucian Park. Next are the Eleusinian mysteries, which were important from 1800 BCE to 500 of our era. The Eleusinian mysteries arose in Eleusis, which is 12 miles from Athens, before spreading to all of Greece and beyond. The mysteries were based on the myth of Demeter, the goddess of fertility, and her daughter Persephone. Their story symbolizes the human soul's return after the death of the body to its universal origin or loving source. 
The Eleusinian initiations were presented in three stages. The minor expression, the major expression, which lasts nine days, and the highest of the three, the apoptye, meaning the state of having seen. These mysteries were so important that during antiquity, the whole Greek world held a 55-day truce to permit travel to and from Eleusis. The progressive concept of initiation and its effect on the individual is continued in Rosicrucian initiation. This image of Isis is from your museum. It's an artifact in the Rosicrucian Egyptian Museum. The Isis Mysteries which were important from the 4th century BCE to the 6th century of our era and still, con still continue in many ways today. As the Hellenized Egyptian mysteries of Isis spread throughout the Mediterranean world from the Middle East to Britain, they soon became one of the most widespread exports of Egyptian spirituality. Many suggest that the Isis-Horus pair continues in images of the virgin and child. The ancient writers, Apuleius in his book, The Golden Ass, and Iamblichus in the Egyptian Mysteries, described in detail the rituals of the Isis mysteries. These mysteries address the desire for personal transcendence and salvation and presented a powerful image of the protective, nurturing, and victorious divine feminine. The Mithraic Mysteries, which thrive from the second century BCE to the fifth century of our era. The Mithraic Mysteries were an initiatic mystery school in which students were gradually introduced to astronomical truths through symbol and how this knowledge could lead the seeker to union with the power behind all existence. The Mithraic Mysteries included a series of seven initiations in which the candidates underwent trials this combination of scientific study, symbolic initiation, and cosmic union is a feature of Rosicrucian work. Hermetism, which was important from the first century BCE to the present day. And this image is of another artifact from your museum showing the Keeper of the Mysteries, Thoth. Based on the writings attributed to Hermes Trismegistus, the Hellenized form of the Egyptian god Thoth, the Hermetic tradition was honored by practitioners of Egyptian, Greco-Roman, Jewish, Christian, and later Islamic religions and many believe it represents a continuity of the teachings 
in the, uh, in the Egyptian temples and mystery schools. Hermetism inspired many Renaissance mystics and scholars, and modern evolutions of this tradition are often referred to as Hermeticism. Hermetism emphasized the organic connection of the divine with the earthly, as above, so below, and points the way of return to the source of being. Rosicrucian philosophy is heir to the Hermetic tradition. Gnosticism, which was founded in the first century of this era to the 14th century and still exists in some forms today. One of the early varieties of the Judeo-Christian spiritual tradition, the various groups we call Gnostics today, emphasize the individual coming to personal and interior experiential knowledge gnosis of the transcendent divine one which is within the innermost being this gnosis then allows the person to enter into union with the source of all existence persecuted in the mediterranean in the fourth to fifth century ce gnostics continued their spiritual practice moving to eastern europe the middle east northern italy and finally, southern France, where they were driven underground in the 14th century. The interior center of knowledge is a familiar theme that manifests in Rosicrucian studies and practice. Neoplatonism. Neoplatonism began in the third century of our era, continued until the sixth century. However, it's still very influential to the present day. The last flowering of the classical Greek philosophical tradition, the Neoplatonist, synthesized the approaches of Plato, Aristotle, Pythagoras, and others addressing the individual yearning for salvation from a philosophical viewpoint. Neoplatonism posits a single source from which all existence emanates and with which an individual soul can be mystically united. The philosophical school provided ways that the individual could ascend the ladder of being through theoria, which is contemplation of the divine. Neoplatonic approaches have continued to be of tremendous importance in Jewish, Eastern and Western Christian, and Islamic mysticism, as well as the esoteric schools, including Rosicrucian thought. Kabbalah, which has existed from the beginning of Judaism to the present day. And this image you may recognize from the meditation that we did on the 231 gates. It's a symbol of the combination of all of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. 
The word Kabbalah means tradition or received tradition. At the beginning, it was taught only by word of mouth and in the greatest secrecy. The primary books that make up the foundational writings of Kabbalah include a meditation manual called the Sefer Yetzirah, or Book of Formation, whose first date of appearance in written form is unknown, but whose oral teachings date back before the first century, and the Zohar, known as the Book of Splendor, first printed in the late 13th century. There are strong Kabbalistic connections to Neoplatonism, Rosicrucianism, and Martinism. Next is alchemy. And this photo shows a painting created by H. Spencer Lewis, that's at Rosicrucian Park, called The Alchemist and His Apprentice. Alchemy originated in or through Egypt. The first written documents in the third century CE to the present day. It is said that Hermes Trismegistus, to whom the emerald tablet is attributed, instituted alchemy so as to manifest on earth the power and wisdom of the deities. The goal of the alchemist is to transmute that which is base to that which is pure. Dr. Carl Jung understood alchemy to represent the process of self-realization. Alchemy includes physical alchemy, for example, turning lead into gold, and spiritual alchemy, personal transformation. Its concepts are part of the Rosicrucian curriculum. Next is Rosicrucianism from the year 1614 to the present day. And this photo shows the Fama Fraternitatis in the Rosicrucian Research Library at Rosicrucian Park. The Rosicrucian tradition emerged in Europe with the publication of three Rosicrucian manifestos, the Fama Fraternitatis, Confessio Fraternitatis, and Chemical Wedding of Christian Rosenkreutz published in 1614, 15, and 16. For years, Europe had been embroiled in religious, political, and social strife, and many longed for a new reformation aimed at disarming the superstition and religious intolerance of the time. The manifestos were most likely the work of the Tübingen Circle, a group of 30 German scholars and students who were passionate about alchemy, hermeticism, Kabbalah, astrology, and Christian mysticism. The manifestos enjoyed considerable success and circulated throughout Europe. Many philosophers of the time became aware of their message. Among them, Francis Bacon and John Amos Comenius are mentioned most often. In 1623, the Rosicrucians posted placards on the walls of Paris announcing that the Brothers of the Rose Cross were staying 
visibly and invisibly in their city. Today, the Rosicrucian Order Amor perpetuates the Rosicrucian tradition worldwide. Next, we'll look at Martinism, and this is a first edition book by Louis-Claude de Saint-Martin. The Rosicrucian Research Library at Rosicrucian Park has all of his books in first edition in French. Martinism from the 18th century to the present day. From a historical perspective, the origins of Martinism go back to an 18th century organization known as the Order of the Elu Cohen, founded by Martinez de Pasquale. The traditional Martinist order is an initiatic order and a school of moral chivalry based essentially on Judeo-Christian mysticism. Its name is derived from that of Louis-Claude de Saint-Martin, the French mystic and author who wrote under the pseudonym of the unknown philosopher. It was formed into an order by Gerard Ancaus, MD, known in esoteric circles as Papus, and Augustin Chabasso in the late 19th century, and is now conducted under the auspices of the Rosicrucian order Amwark. The Rosicrucian Order Amarch founded in 1915. In 1909, Harvey Spencer Lewis traveled to France where he accepted from the Masters of the Order the charter to reestablish the Rosicrucian tradition in America in 1915. Since then, the ancient and mystical Order Rosi Crucis, also known as the Rosicrucian Order Amarch, has served as a spiritual path to hundreds of thousands of women and men throughout the world and continues to perpetuate many of the traditions of the ancient mystery schools and the important philosophies that sprang from them. So this concludes our tour through the timeline of the Rosicrucian tradition, beginning with Atlantis up to the Rosicrucian order Amorc. And I invite you now to join in a meditation. So please sit in whatever way is most comfortable for you. And take three deep breaths, becoming more relaxed with each exhalation. Now, please think of a mystic or an initiate of one of the ancient mystery schools, perhaps one in Egypt or Greece or the Pythagoreans or a Kabbalist or an alchemist or a Martinist or a Rosicrucian of the 1600s or someone who helped to establish the Rosicrucian order Amor 
over 100 years ago now, including H. Spencer Lewis. See them in your mind's eye and send your thoughts of thanks to them. Now see that ancient mystic or initiate acknowledging that the message of thanks that you just sent to them was received. Many of them risked their lives in order to perpetuate the tradition that we study and benefit from today. And some of them even gave their lives to perpetuate that wisdom. So let them know how much we from the future appreciate what they did to preserve and perpetuate the wisdom of the mystery schools. Now we're going to move forward in time. And I invite you to give thanks to the person who introduced you to the Rosicrucian order or to mysticism. Perhaps this was a family member or a friend, or it could even be someone whom you've never met. For example, it could be the author of a book that particularly inspired you. So now send your thoughts of deep thanks to this person for helping you to get started on your mystical path. And see this person Acknowledge that they received your thanks. They know that you are grateful that they helped you take your first steps on your mystical path. And we're going to open the chat and unmute the microphone so that you can say out loud the name of this person or you can put it in the chat. So just unmute yourself, say the person's name, 
and then mute yourself afterwards so we don't have background noise, please. Okay, we're going to continue our meditation. In the 1930s, H. Spencer Lewis wrote a special monograph to members in the 12th degree, asking them to send thoughts of encouragement and peace profound to Rosicrucians who would come in the future. That's us. So there were Rosicrucians sending us good thoughts before most of us were even born. Again, this was in the early 1930s. Pause for a moment to send them your thoughts of thanks. And now see these Rosicrucians from a couple of generations ago receiving the message of thanks that we just sent. So they acknowledge, so, so they acknowledge to us that they received our message of thanks. And if you're curious at all about if it's possible to send messages to the past, you know, the Rosicrucian Order sponsors the Rose Quad Journal. And there was a fascinating article in the Rose Quad Journal. I think it was in the second edition. And it's how we can send our thoughts to the past and how we can, how the, how we can send thoughts to the past to influence the present. So it's uh, a fascinating paper in the Rose Quad Journal. And now we're going to pass this forward by sending our thoughts of encouragement and peace profound to a Rosicrucian who will come in the future. This person may not even be born yet. So in your mind's eye, see someone who you do not know, who again, may not even be born yet, Send your good thoughts, your thoughts of encouragement and peace profound to a Rosicrucian who will come in the future. And now see that person in the future acknowledge that our wishes for peace profound and courage were received. This person, she or he has received our good wishes.
Finally, I'd like to thank each of you for everything that you do to preserve and perpetuate the Rosicrucian tradition and to contribute to the evolution of consciousness. Thank you. Please be aware of what you do every day, what you are doing in your life to preserve and perpetuate the Rosicrucian tradition and to contribute to the evolution of consciousness. Be aware of the very important role that you play. There is no Rosicrucian order outside of all of us. We're the Rosicrucian order. Every time we go to our sanctums, when we're in a Rosicrucian temple, when we attune with the celestial sanctum, and especially when we apply what we have learned in our interactions with everyone with whom we come into contact, every action that we take, And may we ever be aware of the sacred light with which we are entrusted. So mote it be. Brothers and sorors, thank you so much for participating in these meditations. And again, thank you so much for everything you do for the Rosicrucian Order Amorc and for humanity as a whole. <laughs>